We wanted to introduce the idea of emotional intelligence in the workplace to you, the listener. In Selling Transformed, um, recently published book, I talk about the new era of economic transformation that we're living in, the co-creation era. One of the main points of competitive advantage in this era is the idea of democracy, the emotional attachment that buyers have with the products that they sell. And also implicit in that is the way in which salespeople sell to them. So we thought we'd bring to you one of our most successful talks at our GST events, where Simon Quinton, now the UK and Ireland General Manager of Tableau, gives a presentation into the idea of emotional intelligence in sales. This is part one of our emotional intelligence series, if you like, with the next being a deeper dive into emotional intelligence with Simon Quinton himself. Okay, so we're moving on to a sort of slightly different part of the uh, event um, where we're inviting practitioners to come and share, in certain cases, their research um, that they've done on their master's presentation. Um, I first met Simon, how many years ago? Three years, three years ago, Simon was on the SAP master's program. And at the time that Simon joined us, I think he was a key account, not a key account manager, managing a small team yeah. of people uh, at SAP. And then I think halfway through his master's program, he then uh, was promoted to being one of the sales directors of SAP. He's since left and uh, joined an organization called Infor. And um, just last week, um, we heard the fabulous news that Simon was uh, promoted yet again to being managing director of Infor. Um, and it's, um, it, it's a rare position for someone in sales to come through to a managing director type role. So we're absolutely delighted that, that when this happens. Um, so I'm, I'm really pleased uh, to welcome Simon. He's going to come and share with you the topic of his dissertation uh, that he did, his final project. It's around the topic of emotional intelligence. I probably got it slightly wrong, but I wonder if we can play the music for Simon and you've got to guess what it is. Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind And I can see through it, see what's behind Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm lying But I'm only human after all Name of the song? Human, yes it's only human because it's all about emotional intelligence. Oh, right. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> wow. Did we get that wrong? Uh, no, it's absolutely perfect. <laughs> so I'm, I'm having a really Can good we fun. I, yeah, I'm having. So, um, so yeah, I, I, you've all heard my introduction. I'm Simon Quinton. I'm the managing director of the UK and Irish business at Infor. For those of you that don't know, Infor is a three and a half billion organization. We're in the IT sector. Um, we're doing some extremely transformative things. I started my journey with Consalia and with Middlesex University about three years ago, as was said. Um, and it really has been a journey. It's been a journey of education for me, of, of exploration of myself, my teams and others. 
Um, and really this culminated in me putting um, a dissertation together at the end, which was around the role of emotional intelligence, an area that I'm really, really interested in. Um, it's kind of a passion of mine, which is how do we actually get teams, myself, organizations to transform so that we can get the most out, best out of, out of the individuals that are in there and the teams that we build, okay, using EI as the, as the basis for that. So I've got um, to basically do a 35 minutes and I've got to try and take what was about 15,000 words of a dissertation and plug that into a bunch of slides. So there are quite a few things that we're going to go through. Bear with me, ask questions if you want us to ask questions as we go through. Um, but what drives me? Uh, interestingly for me, what I'm all about is building, leading, and developing high-performant teams. There is a reason why it doesn't say individuals in there, um, because teams are everything to me. We don't have to have the best in everything, but what we do have to have is a well-rounded team that can become performant. The challenge, as I see it, is that in the world in which we live, and we've talked a lot about how organizations are changing, how the political environment is changing, it, the question is, how do I go about evolving my practices, my team's practices, and the organization's practices so that we can work in this constantly changing and developing environment? And what that means is that we take on the challenges every day, we react to those, we have to adapt, and once we've adapted, how do we then continue to move forward? And when we look at the environment, I think there are a few themes that came out of what I was looking at when I was doing the investigation and the research. The first one is that there is no longer this kind of a job for life concept, especially with the younger generation coming through. They are going to move. They're going to move about. They're going to go to different organizations. And what that means is that everywhere you go, there is kind of this relentless pressure to do better than the last person or better than last year. And we're all in sales, right? I've spent my career in sales. We know that targets only ever go up, right? Put your hand up if you've had, ever had a year where they've said, actually, we're reducing your target. Okay, right, so that's one of the things that we're contending with. I think with that, and with the pressure that's building on organizations, and again, Phil talked about this actually, so there's loads of synergies between what we're talking about. There has become this microscopic focus on how people do their jobs. And actually, you talked about processes, and you said, you know, are processes helping to drive behavior or are they hindering it? That's one of the particular areas of interest for me is how do we use process to enable higher performance? But what we're talking about here is organizations that are so focused on transactional selling, short-term selling, that they are forgetting that actually transformational selling with the organizations with which we work is now miles more important. Actually, how do we build that long-term sustainable relationship? How do we perhaps not hit quarterly, monthly, even yearly targets, but how do we put together three to five year business plans that allow us to really engage with that customer in a different way? What's this driven is a leadership style change. And, and I've been party to this um, in various organizations in which I've worked, where actually you get ruthless, high octane individuals that come in that literally beat a stick on the sellers. Um, I don't know if you've been party to that yourselves, but I, I really have, where it's a case of every day you're challenged, every day you're told you need to do better. Um, and actually, the way that they go about doing that is usually by deploying new KPIs or new measurements or new business process to try and drive this behavior of continual improvement. Um, and what that means is that every single time that that happens, the sellers are also having to change the way in which they work. How do you like it when somebody comes up with a new idea about a new report that you have to fill in? Yeah, we try to stay away from it. That's where this human impact comes in. So the human impact comes in and that whilst these KPIs and these process-centric modifications might be relevant to the organization, 
actually what they tend to breed is resentment from the sellers. The resentment is, I have to do another report. The resentment is, I have to put something else into CRM. The resentment is, I have to do something different to actually just going out and selling. So what we're trying to do is to figure out how we can maintain process so that the business get what they need, but at the same time release and empower sales individuals to go and do their job as best they can. Okay, That was kind of the fundamental. And for me, my question was therefore, could emotional intelligence be the critical factor in unlocking the full potential of myself, my team, my organization, my customers to drive that higher performance? Okay, So where does EI fit into everything that we do? Now, I just thought I'd put this up, actually. Emotional intelligence is not a new thing. Okay? Um, it's, it's kind of being talked about a lot more than it ever has done. But even as far back as 1920, Thorndike was talking about the wisdom in social context. How do we engage with others? How do we actually interact? How do we motivate? How do we consume conversation from other people? And as you go through time, it's just kind of evolved. 1990 is probably where it really became um, known as emotional intelligence. It was something that was transferred away from a social context into an emotional one. Um, and this definition, I think, is quite powerful, actually. A form of social intelligence that involves the ability to monitor one's own and others' feelings and emotions, to discriminate amongst them, and to use this information to guide one's thinkings and actions. That's fundamentally what I believe emotional intelligence is, is the ability to talk, to converse, to watch, to feel, to take all of the emotions into play and then move and transform your own conversation back so that you can get actionable from it. Goleman in 1995 put this into a workplace context and he talked about having these five things, which is self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy and social skills. And there are measurements that can go behind these as to when and if people are able and capable to use these. And then in 2017, Coleman really took that and said, actually, let's move from it being about a social insight perspective, take it away from a workplace perspective, and let's really, really look at what this means within a sales context. And started to prove out and do a lot of research that suggested that EI in a sales context can be the critical factor that sets star performers apart. Okay, so this is all around leadership, it's all around engagement, and we'll look at some of those things that came out of the research in a second. So the key thing to take away from this is emotional intelligence is like one of the best things to talk about on LinkedIn at the moment. Everybody's doing it, emotional intelligence. This is not new stuff. This is just a, perhaps a way of promoting it so that people are really thinking about it. So what did I do? So if we take the question that I had originally, I was then asked to do some research to either prove or disprove that emotional intelligence is important when you're looking at high-performing sales individuals. Um, and I decided to do this in two ways, using quantitative and qualitative research. Uh, I took 15 what I classify as high-performing sales individuals. Um, some of them I know, some of them I didn't know. Um, they had all done, gone about smashing their targets year after year. And I wanted to assess what their attributes were and why that was possible. I also did it across account directors, I did it across first-line sales managers, and I did it across second-line sales managers. Um, I, did a, I did a quantitative assessment for each. Uh, which used this thing called site tests. Um, site test was a pretty cheap uh, EI test that's online. It's made up of 146 questions. Um, it's got five categories, which then get broken down into 27 subcategories. The reason why this was important was because actually it used different methodologies to pull together a whole, a holistic view of an individual. It used ability-based and self-reporting. 
when and if you ever study emotional intelligence, there's a school of thought that says it should all be ability-based, and there's another school of thought that says um, it should all be self-reporting. This was one that I found that actually mixed and matched the two, and for my research, I think that was quite important. I then took the same people and I did qualitative interviews on a one-to-one -one basis to try and figure out why they were responding and the way that they were responding to the questions that were given. And over here, I just wanted to put this up so it made it look like I'd done a load of work. This is everything that came out of it. Um, and what I found, and what we're going to talk about in a second, was actually very enlightening to me as an individual. Every single one of the people that I interviewed and every single one of the people that I surveyed as high-performance salespeople had a very high EI average. Okay? So this 111 is actually out of about 140. And they're all within the top 30% of a global database. Okay? So right from the earliest days, I was able to say that there was a clear link between emotional intelligence and high-performance in sales. Okay? I was just pausing there for effect to see what happened. <laughs> okay, so nitty-gritty. What actually came out of this is that there are effectively five groupings that we can put individuals into. So we have emotional understanding, we have emotional management, we have emotional identification, perception, and expression, we have emotional facilitation of, uh, of thought, and ego maturity. But there were a couple of things that really struck me. So the first thing was that emotional understanding and emotional management were very, very high in high-performing sales individuals. Okay? Now, it may come as a surprise to you, but ego maturity was really low in sellers. And we'll talk about why that might be in a second. So emotional understanding is the ability to understand and analyze emotions and solve emotional problems. And the things that really, really stood out when you look at all of the averages across the, across the sellers was the fact that they all had very, very high social insight. They all knew how to act in social situations, perhaps not the after parties, but at least in a business context, they, they all knew how to act in social situations. They were also very, very good at embracing their own emotions, keeping them under control, being able to actually sit in an environment where it may be hostile and not react. Okay, And the final thing is that they were all very, very good at conflict management. And conflict management is something that's rarely talked about, at least what I've seen within the sales context. But this idea that you can negotiate in a conflictual situation and be able to hold your emotions back and then be able to react in a very positive way set these individuals apart from everybody else. Okay? In terms of emotional management, the ability to take responsibility of one's emotions, um, the key things that really, really stood out were emotional selectivity, so where one invests their emotions. So we were able to see that sellers will invest their emotions in a particular place at a particular time, usually where they felt they were going to be successful, actually. But they were good at doing that. They also showed really high levels of striving. They wanted to hit their targets. Okay? It was quite interesting for me, the slide that you put up, where there was a bunch of people that said they don't think they're going to hit their targets this year. Um, and we'll talk about positive mindset in a second. But if you don't think you're going to hit your targets this year, you need to tell somebody and do something about it. right? Because as an individual, if you're high-performing sales individuals, you will be striving to hit that target. And actually, the negative impact of not doing so can be much greater. So reset your target, talk to your business, or do something. But if you can't achieve that striving, then you're always going to feel like you're letting yourself down. Resilience 
was another big one as well. And resilience for me was taken in two contexts when we look at this. The first context was resilience externally. So the ability to take the no, right? If any of you have, who's done, who's done telesales in this, in, in this room? Right, if you've ever done telesales and you've been given a database of 10,000 company names and told to phone them and sell stuff, you get a lot of no's, right? So the ability just to wash those off and continue was really important. The bit that people don't really understand about resilience is actually the resilience to perform in a business was really high in these individuals. They were able to take criticism internally, they were able to absorb that, and then they were resilient against it. So it's not just external resilience of being told no by a customer, but it was very much internal resilience to cope with the level of change that's happening in our organizations. And those individuals that were able to cope with that change and still be proactive and positive within that change were actually the ones that scored much higher on this. Adaptable social skills. Now, this one came out really low, which is slightly different to the, uh, to the conflict management, but it's in, it's in red um, because actually they scored very, very low on impulse control. I'm not going to say anything about that, but I can see some smiles around the room where people are going, yeah, I'm in sales. Impulse control, it's not my greatest thing, okay? So we've also tried to get some of the negative pieces in here as well. I'm going to skip through three and four really just because of time. But you can see that comfort with emotions, recognition of emotions, they're in orange or, or, or amber just because they were central. But I want to pick out the ones that were scored very low on this. So emotional self-awareness. We found that within the sellers who were the highest performing, they had very, very low levels of emotional self-awareness. I could go into a lot more detail around that, but I'm just going to leave that one with you. Um, emotional facilitation of thought, I think, was very interesting. This was about an ability and willingness to use feelings constructively and to let them guide you. Um, problem solving was a very, very big thing. Go and find sellers that are very, very good at problem solving, and you will find high-performing salespeople. Okay? That's what we do. We solve problems. Whether they're customers' problems, complex problems, IT problems, whatever it might be, we solve problems. This one is probably the most important to me on all of the slides positive mindset, and this comes exactly back to, to what, what Phil's been saying. Those sellers that had a positive outlook, a positive mindset, that put negativity to one side and really strive to meet the, whatever it was that they were trying to do, perform much better against the criteria that we set. Rumination and emotional reflection are very closely related. And I'm just gonna pick up on these two. Every single one of the high-performing sellers scored low on rumination and emotional reflection. What that really means is, that they don't overthink things, okay? They actually get in the moment, they don't overthink it, they don't dwell on things, something happens, they reflect, they move on. One of the things that I found very interesting was that I scored, because I did this for me as well, I'm not gonna tell you the rest of the scores, I scored high in rumination. And that caused me a bit of a problem, because I didn't quite understand why, because I consider myself to be a high-performing sales individual. Um, and when I looked at it and I tried to figure that piece of the pie out, I realized that probably the reason why I scored high in rumination was that actually my chosen path was through a management path. And my chosen path now is as a managing director. And rumination, when you talk about reflecting on situations, I found myself having to reflect on how my team was performing. What could I do better? How could I improve the scenario so that they could be more successful? And actually, what I realized was that as a second-line manager, as a third-line manager, rumination is not a bad thing, okay? 
So where individuals are going on a track where you think they want to move into management, I would always now be looking to say, where are you on that self-reflection? Where, where are you on that rumination axis? Because actually they're the types that won't stay as your account director for the rest of their lives. They're more likely to be able to look, reflect, build, and deliver to an organization or a team. Make sense? Um, and then when we come down to ego maturity, uh, again, the numbers were interesting. Contentment and self-esteem scored really highly. Um, so this idea that actually high-performing sellers are pretty content with what they're doing. They're pretty confident individuals. But what scored low was flexibility and independence. Now, I'm going to put this in the context of having worked for some of the largest IT organizations on the planet. And in those organizations, you don't have the level of flexibility that you may have in a smaller organization. Okay, so this one for me, I'm a bit conflicted on because actually I look for and I want to go and get sellers that are very flexible, that can step outside of the box, that can do things differently. But internal processes in places like Info, SAP, IBM, and all of the others, they don't necessarily allow you to do that. So we just need to be careful when we look at that one. And it's exactly the same with independence. Okay, independent sellers in a transactional world where they're selling a product to a person can go and be really independent. Independent sellers in a world where actually you need a team of 30 people to go and deliver a transformation program to an organization, you can't be independent. So you just need to look at your own businesses and think which one is going to facilitate the best outcome for me. So, so all of that stuff that I talked about was based on a survey, and it was based on results coming back and understanding individuals and how they perform. What I then did was I took the same people and I said, I'm going to ask you some questions. And I thought for the audience here, so you don't all fall asleep on me, I'm actually going to give you some of the quotes that were given to me as part of those one-to-one -one interviews that back up the information that we've already been told. Okay? So this is about how I went about getting the qualitative information. And there are some themes that came out. So AI, emotional intelligence, came out as a crucial competency. So whenever I look at now recruitment and I talk to my HR team, I'll be saying to my HR team, we need to measure on EI as well as IQ, right? We can't just have it down to a test or a site test. What we need to do is we actually need to be measuring person's individual personality and how they fit to within our organization. And this was really interesting. This was a, um, a second line sales director that said to me, emotional intelligence is not a soft or a nice to have skill. And I think we need to embed that in our businesses. I still think that emotional intelligence when it's talked about is, oh yeah, great guy. Yeah, good to go down the pub with. Nice to have a little bit of a chit chat with, right? No, it's not. It's actually a skill in itself, and those people that are skilled at doing it, and you can train to do it, are going to be much higher, much more performant. One of the second themes, or the second theme that really, really came out, and this is like sales school 101, right? But it's as important today as it ever was, was the importance of listening. The quote that was given to me was, without listening, you can never understand the person and what their demand is. And I think as sellers, sometimes we forget to listen. I think we're exceptionally good at telling, going in, talking a story. It's still true that people want to be, feel like they've been heard and listened to. And for those organizations that are in the room who are going to stand up and talk, who are customers, um, I hope that you would back me up on that. Wouldn't you? <laughs> you tell me later. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, the third one, and, and this is really dear to my heart, is that culture can have a big impact on emotional intelligence. So as much as you invest in EI, that can all go out of the window if numbers, 
pressure means that people act inappropriately. And I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but I've seen businesses almost break because of the fact that the pressure has got so high on the senior management team that they've allowed that to run down into the sales organization. The pressure becomes so high on the sales organization that then people start doing unnatural things. The minute things start going unnatural is when you lose all of the trust, everything else that you have. So for me, and we'll talk about the model that I use in a second, um, culture can and does have a big impact on the ability for you to put things like emotional intelligence into an organization. And you should all be aware of that within your own businesses. Mindset is absolutely critical. So emotional intelligence is something that you can learn, or at least you can learn how to use it. But having the positive mindset, having a step off a lip, being the person that goes out of their way to engage with customers even when things are going badly is a critical factor that sets high-performing sales individuals apart from each other. And every single one of the people that I spoke to would say that they go into every day with a positive mindset. They're going in thinking that they're going to win the business. They're going in thinking that they're going to change a company. They're going in thinking that they're going to deliver something that is going to add value to somebody else. And I think the positive mindset is a really critical and important part of, a, of again, of a culture that we should foster. We have to allow people to be positive. Trust was a massive one. Um, it kept coming up in all of the conversations that we had. People buy from people, so trust is key. I think in the sales world that we're in now and where it has transformed probably more than ever is that companies will make 70% of their buying decision before they've even spoken to the salesperson. They have all of the information, right? So what that means is that they're moving how and when they buy and they're moving the type of interactions that they want to have with account directors, sales individuals, management, managing directors, whoever it might be. And what I'm seeing is that those sellers who bring a level of credibility, but also who bring a level of challenge and debate, and we won't talk about challenges selling here, but all of those good things that come with that, those are the types of sales individuals that I want to go and employ. In my organization, I want to have individuals that can go in and can challenge customers and can deliver value over and above just, we've got all of these features and functions, Don't, aren't they great, right? So I think trust is key. And then this one is actually one of my own personal values. I have six values, this is one of them. Um, professionalism uh, is a source of pride uh, and achieving successful results. Every single one of the individuals that I spoke to, uh, bar none, talked about professionalism, talked about wanting their sales role to be seen as a professional job, done in a professional way, and delivered to an organization in the best way that they possibly can. So they are striving to achieve their results based on professionalism. Okay, so these are effectively six of the core themes that came out when I was doing my research into how emotional intelligence has an impact on high-performing sales teams. But, and it's quite interesting again because this is a, a word that I've heard used an awful lot today already, um, is around the idea of agility. And as I was going through and I was thinking and I was looking and I was assessing all of the things that I'd found out, what I realized is actually, it's not really about emotional intelligence from a high-performing sales individual point of view. They all have emotional intelligence, but that's not what made them successful at all. What made them successful was emotional agility. And emotional agility is an ability to alter one's engagement style, to reflect or engage better with customers, colleagues, or partners, all potentially with differing characters, objectives, and requirements. 
every single person that you meet is an individual. Our ability to change the way that we act or interact to get the best from them and the best from ourselves is what will differentiate you as a high-performing salesperson. And I absolutely believe that. Okay? So we can take all of these things away and we can look at them in the context of nice graphs and tables and all of this, but actually find the people that have the ability to transform the way they engage with another individual to get to a successful outcome. The critical thing which came out of it was at speed and in the moment. And if you take one thing away from everything that I've said, take away at speed and in the moment. Because when you're sitting in a room of a board of directors, and I did it three times yesterday, and they're either being nice or they're shouting or screaming, or actually they want to move forward and transform or they want some money back, every single time you are changing the way that you have a conversation. Sometimes we need to be hard and steadfast. Sometimes we need to be warm and fluffy. Sometimes we need to be something else, okay? But we have to have the ability as sellers to do that at the point in time in which it's required. And if you have sales individuals that can't do that, I would suggest that they won't be as high on your high-performing radar as some of the other ones that can do that. Okay? Five minutes. Excellent. So, I might even be ahead of time. Well, I can relax now. Um, <laughs> So this is, yeah, this is emotional intelligence happening right here, right now. Okay, so, so there's, there's, a, there's a huge amount of content. There's a, there's a lot of information that, that I could and I tried not to throw at you. When I went through um, and I put my conclusions together for my dissertation, um, this is what I came up with. Uh, so this, I don't think has existed anywhere before. But these are the things that I took out and said from, a, from, from my conclusion, this is what I believe. If you want to have high-performing salespeople, you should be looking for. Um, the first one is go and identify individuals that have a positive mindset. Those people that have positive mindsets will look at things like stri striving, emotional integration, and contentment. Find people that have that in abundance because they will generally perform better than others. The next thing is find those individuals that can show you that they have an agile behavior. So problem solving, emotional selectivity, adaptable social skills, social insight, and conflict management. Test people on this, okay? So if your HR individuals aren't doing this, there are tests that you can put people through to find out where they fit with on the spectrum, and I would suggest you do it. And probably the hardest one to do, but actually has a, an impact on everything else, is how do you put a transformative culture into your business? So there are some things that, 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 that I'm doing, that we're doing as a business now, to try and do exactly this. The idea of empowerment is something that I've introduced very quickly. I want my teams to feel empowered. Um, without spilling too many things, um, before I arrived, they didn't. I had a sales team that was not empowered, or at least didn't feel like they were empowered, that were therefore in a place where they had a pretty negative mindset, weren't quite sure where they were going or what direction they were going in. And quite simply by saying to them, I trust you, you're empowered, you're senior guys, I pay you a lot of money, you need to now go and make some decisions yourself. Within hours, there was a buoyancy in the room that hadn't been there before. So changing that culture, sticking to it, making sure that it's embedded uh, is really important because otherwise all of the other factors kind of fall out the window. So what I found 
was that these soft skills, as people have talked about, aren't soft skills. They're real skills. They're real competencies that actually have real value. People always assess on the base of IQ. How did you do in that test? How did you do in that exam? What percentage did you get, right? This is really hard to assess, but there are ways of doing it. And I think my final point around this is if you want to develop teams that are high performing, then you need to invest in understanding how emotional intelligence can be part of that. It isn't all of it. You still need to have the process. You still need to have the IQ. You still need to have all of those things. But if you really, really want to have high performing individuals, go and find those individuals that have high levels of emotional intelligence, bring them into the organization, embrace them, getting mentoring other people as well. And I believe that you'll see a difference in the way that you, uh, that you go to market and the success that you have in the marketplace. So what for you were the key takeaways from Simon's talk? I think we've realized that emotional intelligence is not a, a soft, fluffy concept, but actually it's very scientific, particularly in the way that Simon has, has put together some of the data analytics behind emotional intelligence. And it's amazing to see how he has used this to help recruit and develop his sales team. So what do you think you can do in the workplace to exhibit more emotional intelligence to your teams? Now, in part two of this series, we're going to dive into emotional intelligence in more detail. So this will be published next week. So please stay tuned and we look forward to seeing you again later. If you're interested in the Executive Master's programme that Simon was on, please check out the show notes to learn more It's not your average MBA. It's a dedicated master's in leadership in in sales. It's it's one of a kind. It's unique in the world. There's nothing else quite like it out there. Simon spoke a lot about positive mindsets at the core of realizing emotional intelligence. If you want to know if you possess the positive sales mindsets that customers want to see from salespeople, check out our mindset survey in the show notes. There are only 20 questions to answer which at the end of it, you'll get uh, some kind of self-assessment that you might find of interest. 